Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters. Underwear is the second, shirts are third. At Bombas, socks were first. Made with comfortable details for everyday wearing. Then underwear and shirts too. All designed to perfectly fit. At Bombas, every item you purchase means you're donating an essential clothing item to someone in need. One comfortable clothing item for you, one donated to someone in need. Bombas. Comfort for all. Get 20% off your purchase at bombas.com slash comfy. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Zoe Deschanel and I'm so excited to be joined by my friends and castmates, Hannah Simone and Lamorne Morris, to recap our hit television series, New Girl. Join us every Monday on the Welcome to Our Show podcast, where we'll share behind the scenes stories of your favorite New Girl episodes. Each week we answer all your burning questions like, is there really a bear in every episode of New Girl? Plus you'll hear hilarious stories like this. Fun that fact. was one of your things too. you brought back from Latvia. Yeah, I brought back because a hoop. all professional <laughs> basketball players. Yeah, it's like a little <laughs> seven foot hoop. Yeah, listen to the Welcome to Our Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lil Nas X has a new single out, and it's turning heads. We're celebrating the comedy genius of Jessica Walter. And we're speaking with the directors of the new documentary, Tina, Dan Lindsay and TJ Martin. It's March 26, 2021. Hey, friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Stafford. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Oh, Zach, today is a day where I'm going to have to freaking learn how to process emotions quickly because it is your last day on the show. It is, and I coordinate it with my dear friend Little Nas X to uh, celebrate my last day. <laughs> and also I got Tina Turner to join too. So I really, you're seeing my full power right now. <laughs> this is your day. It's all black excellence okay. all day long. But yes, today will be my last day on the show. And do not be surprised if somehow I sneak back on in some way, but I won't be here all the oh, time. Oh, you better. You better. If not, I'm just going to casually bring you up each day and then everyone's going to be like, Casey, Casey, we need to talk about this. But um, in in all seriousness, you know, I'm going to miss you so much, but we are going to get to that we'll later, that later. Uh, w- with our goodbyes. I have news I want to get to before we go to my goodbyes, because before I say goodbye, yes, I want to say please. hello to a few people. And that's Lil Nas X <laughs> and his new single titled Montero or Call Me By Your Name. And it is a bop. Oh, 
So not only is it a killer song, you have to check out the accompanying video. It's getting so much love online for being explicitly joyfully queer, and just one of the highlights features Lil Nas giving the devil a lap dance. Shortly after the song dropped, Nas posted an emotional message on Instagram, revealing this song is written about a guy that Nas met last summer. In addition to the new record, the message behind it is something close to Nas's heart. He wrote in the note to his 14-year-old self that this is a song about coming up publicly, which he promised he'd never do. He says, quote, this is very scary for me. People will be angry. They will say I'm pushing an agenda. But the truth is, I am. The agenda to make people stay the fuck out of other people's lives and stop dictating who they should be. Oh, Zach. This, so I listened to the song first, which I loved. And then I watched the video. And oh, my God, I had a smile on my face the entire time. And you know what I couldn't stop thinking about was yesterday when Elamine was talking about how male artists really like who's been putting themselves on the line lately, like who's been taking a risk and no one was really coming to mind. And my God, is it Little Nas X? Lil Nas X listens to the show and he responded to the call in action. Um, and I say that jokingly, but also we a year ago, I think, did a show with Lil Nas X in New York. So Lil Nas X is a BuzzFeed person. We are all old girlfriends. We love him so much. But what I love so much about this is I could not have imagined seeing this as a 14-year-old person, a young black queer person, like seeing a black queer man come down a stripper pole into hell and lap dancing on the devil. Listen, this is the energy I'm taking to 2021 dancing on people I shouldn't. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Good. And I'm like, I know we could talk about this forever, but one thing that just like, you know, in my feelings, like about a, a queer person, when you're like, when you're hiding part of yourself and stuff like that, like there's this line that was like something along the lines of like doing cocaine, drinking with your friends, you're in a dark place kind of thing. And with his corresponding letter to his 14 year old self saying like, we promised we'd never come out. Those are all like ways to hide yourself. And my God, what a way to out yourself I'm... in like the biggest gayest and, way. And the whole video is just him. He's every character. He's all yes. of it. So, mm -hmm. you know, and he's everything to us today. So thank you, little Nosex. He is. Someone else who is everything to us is Jessica Walters. And I just want to talk about her legacy. The 80-year-old actor passed away in her sleep on Wednesday, according to a statement from her daughter, Brooke Bowman. Walter is best known for her roles as Lucille Bluth in Arrested Development and Mallory Archer in the series Archer. Many of her castmates have expressed their condolences, including Tony Hale, Alia Shawkat, David Cross, Will Arnett, and Jason Bateman. We will miss her quick wit and quippy one-liners. Rest in peace to a true, true legend. She... She is just one of the funniest people ever to be on screen. Even back to like the movie she did with Clint Eastwood in the 70s, hilarious, even though that was action. Like she just has consistently had such great timing, comedic practice, and prowess. And I just, it's such a loss. It's so sad. I saw someone who works in TV. They were on Twitter. I forget who it was, but he said something like, if one of Jessica Walters' lines didn't make us laugh, it wasn't her. It meant the writing was bad. And that is like such a true thing for her. And I've also heard that she is just one of the kindest or she was one of the kindest, nicest people ever. And you know what? She's been in this industry for a long time. If you want to read a great Hollywood reporter piece on her and it was the interview with the rest of development cast before the new Netflix release. She dealt with a lot in that interview as a woman in this industry and how she's treated by male co-stars and my God, going through all of that and just being the comedic genius she is. Oh, I love her. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, so moving on, specifically for Zach, we are talking about someone very near and dear to his heart, the one and only Tina Turner. 
A new documentary about her life, Tina, will begin streaming on HBO tomorrow. And she is a literal living legend. We know her story very well, but the documentary promises to bring us new insight into her life story. I saw it and I have so many questions, which is great because today we are chatting with its Academy Award-winning directors, Dan Lindsay and TJ Martin. Hi, Dan and TJ. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Of course. Glad to be here. We, I, you have no idea how hyped I am about this. I'm Zach a is like fan. really excited. <laughs> like I'm from Tennessee. Your, your other documentaries about Tennessee. Like you guys, we are like kindred and we'll get into that <laughs> in a bit. But to begin, let's, let's talk about this film, which is really, really amazing. So when you guys signed on to do this story about Tina Turner, you know, so many of us know her story through, you know, the Angela Bassett movie, all these other stories we've seen, but how did you want to tell this differently this time? Well, I think, you know, Really early on, TJ and I were kind of interested in this idea of the story of Tina Turner and then Tina Turner herself. And I guess in some ways, what is Tina's relationship to that story? Because we got an indication early on in our first meeting with her that there was it was a more complicated relationship than maybe people thought. And yeah, I think being aware of those other tellings, we were kind of like, uh, instead of trying to ignore that, let's lean into that. Um, because it is such a part of her identity, right? The story of Tina Turner. Um, and so, yeah, we kind of took a slight, I guess, meta uh, approach uh, to it. And um, while we definitely had cuts of the film that were way more meta, I mean, that's mostly what it was it was for one when we first got approached to to possibly direct the film you know our our producers uh simon chin and jonathan chin had already set up the um made an agreement with tina and her husband erwin to make this film and then they came to us to see if we were willing to direct it i think we were really hesitant um i think you know one you know we weren't sure if two men should be authoring kind of tina's voice um and two we've always been really kind of we've been asked a lot to do kind of celebrity driven films and we always find it's a little bit more a a means to leverage the celebrity and you're not in 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 search of a story you're not actually telling a story it's more of a profile and so we we read itina the book she co-wrote with kurt loader because we only knew kind of the broad strokes of her story and and in understanding some of those details we realized that you know Obviously, she'd lived an incredible life, a once-in-a-lifetime life, and it lent itself to actually being able to make a proper film. And at the center of that film just happened to be one of the most iconic, you know, entertainers of, of, of all time. And so that's when we decided to, to commit to, to directing it. And then in those first conversations with Tina, we realized how omnipresent the pain is of her past is. Mm-hmm. And that even at 80 years old, she's still processing the trauma. It was just something we couldn't shake. And that's really the thing that lent us to take the POV we took in the film, which is like, what is Tina's POV on her own story? Because it seems like it doesn't, it's not congruent with the public perspective or perception of it. No, for sure, for sure. And I love how you guys approach that. And, and you know, it makes me want to bring up your your film, The Undefeated, um, which is about an inner city football team in Memphis, which is Western Tennessee. Tina's from middle or Eastern Tennessee, like me. Um, but what I'm seeing is similar is that you both, you guys seem very interested in stories where people have to overcome a lot, where they're having to overcome a lot of trauma and expectation around them um, and do it through impossible odds. So talk to me about kind of like how you're thinking about structuring the story when you think about your last work, Undefeated. Hmm. Well, there's actually a film in between there, the uh, LA 92. Um, but the, um, I don't know if we've ever thought about it in, in that way, the way you just kind of contextualize it. 
For us, I think we look at each film individually and try to allow it to tell us what it wants to be. And then those commonalities are probably just ingrained in us as <laughs> as like people and that we're drawn to that kind of idea. I think, you know, I would say that one thing that definitely connects in some ways through all of our films is the impact of the past on the present and the way that as the tagline of LA 92 past is prologue. Right. And, and I think there's it's strangely even in undefeated that is you know, the, you can't shake the past of that school and, 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 and especially even the main characters and the kids and what they had gone through. And so, yeah, I think, you know, Tina's story also is just similar to Undefeated. There's an archetype in some ways to these things, right? The kind of underdog or in Tina's case, it's an odyssey. I mean, it's a true, like, almost quest film, this woman born in the cotton fields of Tennessee who has a vision for her life and goes through incredible trials and tribulations and and ultimately succeeds and achieves the things that she set out to achieve. I think we were trying to, you know, then layer on top of that a a more kind of complicated um, version of that story because we're telling it from Tina's point of view, right? And not just from the outside of like, let me tell you the beats of this story. I've never thought of that. Sorry. I just, it's a question that we've never, it's an interesting observation. Well, first I, now knowing that you're from Tennessee, I was like, Oh, you want to talk about Tennessee is really <laughs> what, <laughs> what Zach wants to talk about Tennessee. Yes. I want to talk about how the greatest things in the world come from Tennessee. This is the point of today. Yes. Yeah. So connected to that, a big part of the documentary is tracking Ike and Tina's relationship and the lasting impacts it had on her life. You know, it's a story she's told through movies and a book, but it's so clearly so painful for her. What was it like navigating that trauma, having those conversations? Yeah, I mean, you know, early on, we kind of had the realization, like TJ was saying earlier, that pain of her past is still so omnipresent with her, even at 80 years old, living in Zurich and retired from kind of public life. And I think talking with her, we said we're what we're kind of find ourselves drawn to is a few things. It's like, number one, that, that is a surprise, I think, to a lot of people that after everything she's been through and the success and everything, and maybe it shouldn't be a surprise, but it's a surprise that that pain of the past is still, you know, she's suffering essentially from a form of PTSD. And and if you talk about that time in her life, uh, it can bring it back in nightmares. Um, this is something she was telling us about, and, and it feels as real for her as the first time it happened. And so I think for us, it was just being very uh, clear with her about what our intentions were and saying that that is something that we want to explore in the film. And we're also interested in the irony of this like idea that she initially came forward with that story as a means to separate herself from Ike. And instead, what it did, ironically, is just tie her to Ike for the rest of her life. And so I think by being transparent with her about what we wanted to explore, she was willing to go on that journey with us. The other thing on a kind of practical level is once we understood we had access to the tapes from that People Magazine article and from I, Tina, the book that she wrote with Kurt Loder, we knew we didn't need to drag her down into the details of that stuff because she had already talked about it there. So we could use those tapes to kind of give you, the viewer, an intimate portrayal of the trauma and just 
awfulness that she had to live through, but we didn't need 80-year-old Tina to describe that for us in a way that we could potentially be re-traumatizing her. That's that's incredible. You know, I have a background in crime reporting and hate crimes, and like people who are trying to tell these types of stories of violence and trauma never think about that, about how you re-traumatize people and how bringing these stories up can only make pain worse. So it's really incredible that you both were very thoughtful around that. I just have to point that out for you. All right, so we're going to take a quick break because I can talk about this all day, and we are going to talk about this more, so we'll be right back. Chief it. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Being a real estate agent isn't about listing houses. It's about connecting to people. I need to find new buyers every day. So I promote my listings using radio commercials from iHeartAdBuilder.com. Now every time I have an open house, it's a full house. A custom radio ad from iHeartAdBuilder is the fast, affordable way to drive customers to your business. Put the power of radio to work for you. Get started now at iHeartAdBuilder.com. What's up, what's up? This is Robin Dixon, co-host of Reasonably Shady, which has just been nominated for an NAACP Image Award in the Outstanding Arts and Entertainment Podcast category. This is so big for Giselle and I. And of course, we must thank all of our fantastic listeners. But we need your help. Visit vote.naacpimageawards.net to vote for Reasonably Shady. That's vote.naacpimageawards.net. But don't wait. Voting closes on February 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And make sure to listen to Reasonably Shady every single Monday on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Welcome back. We're talking with Dan Lindsay and TJ Martin about HBO's new Tina Turner documentary. So Tina's story is one of transformation, but also of great struggle, not just personally, but in the industry when she transformed into a rock star. These are stories we've seen echoed recently in artists like Britney Spears or Demi Lovato. But what was it like to see those narratives explored as you were putting Tina's story together? Did they seem relevant, especially as everyone keeps talking about the Framing Britney Spears documentary? Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know, I think for us, Tina's story in particular is is timeless, right? I think there's an equal amount of value and merit to to her story as it, you know, four years ago when she first came forward with it, as there will be 50 years from now. I think we're always going to be able to glean and learn a lot from this woman who had the courage to be vulnerable in a public forum. I think in the context with which we're living in now, the potential added value is that there are the, the tools are growing for us to understand and, and more importantly, empathize with what survivors are uh, have gone through and what they continue to go through. Um, you know, it, I can't speak to, I haven't seen all the other films, so I can't speak to those. But in Tina's case, you know, I think the thing that was really, we needed to even remind ourselves was, oh, it's, she is, even at this stage, uh, she is making the choice to survive every day. That is a choice at 80 years old, to wake up and continue to put forth, to try to create a healthy 
spiritual and emotional and mental space for. And hopefully, maybe for some, it might be the first time they recognize the longevity of trauma, specifically when it comes to trauma from abuse. So for this documentary, like you said, you interviewed Tina herself, but you also uh, interview Angela Bassett, Oprah Winfrey, and so many others who are close to her. What did their perspectives offer that you might not otherwise know? Mm. Well, I mean, the reason we chose the people <clears throat> we did to interview was, you know, we, we kind of almost grouped them in kind of two groups, I guess. Like there was the witnesses and those are the people like Rhonda Graham, who was a you know, 60 year confidant of, of Tina's. She was Ike and Tina's tour manager and she was Tina's I don't know, jack of all trades, uh, maid of honor at her wedding. And, uh, you know, and Lejeune, who was a, a backup dancer for Ike and Tina and also in Tina's solo years. So there's this group of like kind of witnesses. And then this other group that we kind of refer to as the scribes. And those are the people that have told Tina's story because, you know, one of the kind of subtextual layers here is, is we are exploring that almost the idea of storytelling itself in some ways. And so, you know, that's Carl Arrington who wrote the People Magazine article, Kurt Loder who wrote I, Tina, Angela Bassett who embodied Tina, Katori Hall who wrote the musical, and then Oprah for us as kind of this weird dual line because she's very close friends with Tina, but she's also a representative of media, right? And we, um, you know, this didn't end up in the film, but I thought this was a really interesting thing that happened when we interviewed Oprah, we asked her, you know, we kind of posed the question, like, why do people keep asking, you know, why did she stay? And, and you know, what is the point of that question over and over again? And I, I mean, honestly, I think we thought she would say, yeah, that's, you know, we don't need to do it. But she pushed back and said, no, I, I think that's a totally valid question. And as a journalist, I need to ask that question because there are people out there that might not know the answer. She said, though, the problem is our society's unwillingness to hear the answer. And, you know, that was a very insightful uh, thing. It turns out Oprah's got a lot of insightful <laughs> things to say. Yeah. And that's just an example of one of the things that I think these people, and again, a lot of it, we were talking to these people so they could give us some insight into not only Tina, but just the kind of the identity of Tina, the story of Tina. Yeah. And you know, I'm so glad you bring up Oprah and storytelling and kind of how Tina's been navigating for years, how she's telling her story in public, because it felt like a lot of this documentary is a closure for her. It's kind of like the last hurrah. I I'm going to have a final kind of nail on how I'm talking about it. And she has this quote in the work that says, it wasn't a good life. It was in some areas, but the goodness did not balance the bad. So, you know, as she kind of takes this final bow with you guys telling her story in this documentary, do you feel like there's been some relief for her or any closure or clarity through this process? Yeah, hard, hard to say how much what her journey was in the in the process of making this film. I can say that going into it, I don't think Tina had necessarily an agenda, but just rather kind of like, oh no, I got to do this one more time, one more time. But it was very much a discovery for us. What you see in the film at the end, this idea, even as her husband says, you know, this will be somewhat of a closure. You know, the musical and references the documentary. That was kind of something we discovered on the journey. When we attended the musical with her, the premiere of the musical on Broadway, she was very anxious. And I think she deeply appreciated the adoration that she was getting and, and really wanted to be present and, and support the, the musical. But it was the first time we really saw and understood this idea of bowing out and this desire to bow out. I think 
it became more clear to us that Tina retired from the stage in 2009, but in that moment, it became more clear to us that, oh, she wants to kind of retire from the persona of Tina Turner. So never say never. Who knows? It's Tina Turner, right? So who knows? Maybe she has something up her sleeves that, and she'll come back with another album. Maybe, fingers crossed. But it felt, at least in the, in the time we spent with her, it felt very genuine that, look, she wants to sit and relax at her castle on the lake in Zurich and, and uh, enjoy this well-earned proper retirement from Tina the icon. I, I have to say, if anyone deserves a time to take a break from their life, what they have built, it is Tina Turner. And the fact that she has a castle in Switzerland to do so is iconic. It is like legendary to every level and something that is so incredible. And I'd love to see if this is right, because this is how I perceive her, is that she seems to have such awareness of like, I was the baddest. I am the archetype. I'm the possibility model for Beyonce for everyone. And they will never leave me bothered by any of this. She seems so confident in what she's given to the world. I think that's a really great way to say it, the confidence. And Tina is, is she would never, I think she is aware of that, but she would never, first of all, she would never say it. And she would never say it in a way of like, I need that credit. Tina is legitimately like a very humble person. When you meet her, you're very aware that you're like, you know, hanging out with an icon. Like she's got that energy as like, you know, any person that can get up on stage and command the eyes of 60,000 people. You know, she has that. But at the same time, she's very much, she puts you at ease. And I do think that there is a, you know, a part of that is that confidence, that like idea that she's very centered and like, aware of herself and confident in herself. And yeah, I don't know. It puts you at ease too. Um, it was just a testament to her as a person. And I think what you're picking up on is that's very genuine. For sure. Well, this is makes me so happy to hear. I only want to hear good things about Tina Turner and Dolly Parton. <laughs> so thank you for fulfilling the Tina portion of this. I've gotten Dolly. You know, Dolly created our vaccines, so we're cool there. <laughs> Tina Turner, Tennessee. you have affirmed that she... Ten, like, really, Tennessee, rise up. Like I told you, <laughs> we're ending with Tennessee is the baddest. So. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an absolute delight. And thank you also for being storytellers that care about people. That really doesn't happen enough, and we really appreciate that. Thank you for saying that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So as we mentioned, it is Zach's last day on this podcast. I'm not handling it well, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I have some parting words to share with Zach in a moment, but first we're going to introduce our two new hosts who will be joining me, Shiloh Watson and Stephen LaConte. You already know those names and voices. Hi guys. Hi, Hi. thanks for having us. (laughs) So excited to be here. Um, Yes, I'm so excited to to embark on this journey with the both of you. (laughs) So I want to know, what are you guys looking forward to about the podcast? I mean, you know, pop culture, it's always moving and shaking. And I can't wait to chat, laugh, dissect, and just keep up with it all here with you on the regular. Oh, yes. Um, well, for me, you know, I've been giving advice to listeners on this podcast for like almost a year now. And I loved, I loved doing it. We're definitely going to keep doing it. So please keep DMing me your problems. But I'm excited to just branch out and talk about other stuff with you guys. I'm a big pop culture nerd, a politics nerd. I spend way too much time on the internet. I'm also just excited, frankly, to have a few days on here where I don't have to tell someone to dump their boyfriend. I think that'll be good for me. <laughs> I have to, I have to jump 
in here and, and tell a truth that I've been holding dear to me is that we say that we, you know, crowdsource all these messages for Steven to read from random people about people treating them badly, but they're really just me. <laughs> they've just been me. I do not want to pay for therapy anymore, so I've been using Steven Leconte as my Honestly, I respect that, Zach. <laughs> okay, so I just want to take a moment and say thanks to Zach from the whole team. Seriously, I mean, you know all of us here love you dearly, but I just like... Getting to co-host this show with you has been so great because I just get to be in awe of your talent. I think that some people, you know, can be really great journalists. They have the facts. And then there's other people, they have great empathy. And I think you have both of them. And I think that whenever you have something to say, it's important, it's profound, and it's affecting. And so I've just, this has just been such a wonderful experience and I'm going to miss you on this show. I'm feeling so many emotions by you saying that. So thank you, one, for doing it. But two, it's making sirens come to my house right now. So if everyone here, I want to give everyone a moment to hear that there's a lot of emergency vehicles because I'm dying over what Casey's saying to me right now. Um, but no, thank you. I really, it has been such an incredible thing to do every day to see you, Casey, and talk about these things. And, you know, what I've loved about BuzzFeed, I've been here for about two years and I will now move on to do other things after this and explore other people. What makes BuzzFeed so special is that all of you do this in your work every day. It's like we take something on the internet and we talk about why it's viral, but virality always means we connect it to it. We have a feeling about it. It touches us in a certain way. And I think that's what's so special about the show is that we make that those connections for people to be like, you don't just love Lil Nas X because he came down a pole, but you love it because it gives you a way of thinking about queerness that's, you know, celebratory. It's empowering. You don't only just love talking about the Cinnamon Toast Crunch thing because it's wild, which is wild, but it's because there's nostalgia there. And you want to talk about how like food production is really fucking weird. <laughs> like, how does the thing happen? So I just am really excited to see how you guys continue to have those really great conversations through the things that we love on the internet every day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you better believe you will be coming back as a guest on the show. Oh, I have the Zoom links. I have the Zoom <laughs> yeah, you just show up. <laughs> Gagged. I will... <laughs> I will never forget. I think early on, was it on this show that Sporty Spice did an interview and she jumped into the editorial? No, that wasn't on the show. There is a history at BuzzFeed because we use so many links. I think it was on AM to DM that like celebrities will accidentally jump back on to Zoom links <laughs> for other meetings. So you get to see them again. And I'm going to do that to all of you um, like on a Tuesday. Please do. <laughs> all right. So that's it for today. Come back and join us on Monday. And remember... Little Nas X dropping a single and a Tina Turner interview in the same day. My powers are at their peak and you are so welcome, America. <laughs> BuzzFeed Daily is produced by Dan Bowser, Alan Haperchak, Julia Karen, and Erica Nedemi. Special thanks to Tracy Ayers, Mangesh Ticketer, Samantha Hennig, and Tommy Wesley. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CHAMPION and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CHAMPION and place your first wager risk-free up to 
$1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. and Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Hi, everybody. I'm Rachel Bonetta, and I have my very own podcast called Benched with Bonetta. You kidding me? Woo! I'm just here so I won't get fined. Every week, I'm going to be talking about all the things I find fascinating about the NFL, and I'm doing something that has never been done before. I'm opening my DMs. DMs now open. <laughs> Listen every Tuesday and join me on the bench. Subscribe now and listen to the Benched with Bonetta podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mama, what does the chicken say? Uh, dog, cat, giraffe, giraffe, really? Giraffe, uh, giraffe. You're not going to get it all right. Just make sure you nail the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.